Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level, formerly the podcast known as Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We made that change July 1st because uh, I made some changes in my life, and I'm dealing a lot more with growing teams. As many of you know, I now work for an executive search firm in addition to doing the speaking and training I do for companies around the country, Uh, and I wanted to focus more finding out how leaders shake things up in their companies, in their industries, in their communities, and in life. And I think you're going to enjoy today's interview. Today, I'm talking to Jake Dunlop. He is the CEO of a company called Scaled. And what he and his team do is they help organizations build repeatable revenue-producing strategies for their sales operations. And really, I don't care if you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, or a business leader of a multinational company, uh, being able to build repeatable revenue-producing strategies is something we all need. So I'm very proud and happy to welcome Jake Dunlop to Making Waves at Sea Level. Hey, Jake. Uh, Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm doing all right. So uh, welcome to the podcast. I have a habit of not reading those really fancy bios that your PR people write. I'm sure you and your company spend a lot of money coming up with just the right words and I don't read those. I think you did a good job. I thought <laughs> well, I thought I thought you you summed it up pretty well. Well, so what I like to do is give you kind of a short chance to tell us about scaled uh, and and what it is you do in a little more depth. Go ahead. Yeah. So so again, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation and, and talking about how I have made waves uh, at different points in my life and career. And now, so really, we are a sales consulting organization, and and what that means in in less boring terms is we're coming in and partnering with internal leadership. Um, and really our, our magic sauce is not just the partnering around strategy, but the, but the partnering to actually tactically pull things through. And so when I started the company seven years ago, um, my knock on consulting was, this is great. Uh, you know, w- well now what do I do with it? <laughs> and so, you know, we have a mix of technical strategic, uh, enablement resources to come in and help to solve lead generation, sales, account growth, and operations challenges. And so, you know, usually we're, we're really as a part of the team and really, you know, working to solve tactical problems that drive, you know, 10, 20, 30% increases in, you know, number of leads or revenue. So uh, how old is the company now? We are, it'll be eight, eight years old in January. So, and, and you started it in New York City in in the Soho yeah, area, and that's uh, right. you moved your headquarters to Austin, Texas, which is where I live. Uh, that's right. How long ago? Uh, we moved in almost exactly two years ago. And what made you choose Austin? Well, I mean, Austin. I mean, I feel like well, Austin is already kind of starting the the process of blowing up, but I feel like you know we 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 were starting to lead this trend too. You know, for us, it was about talent, and it was about um, you know cost effective growth. And I think both, you know, talent, you know, in Austin, I think what a lot of people have started to realize is like the amount of talent here in, in a variety of creative roles, sales roles is, is astronomical. I mean, it's, there's so many great companies here that are growing and scaling that, you know, the, the, the talent pool in Austin is really, you know, matured and grown as well too. And, it, and it's a, a fallacy to think you can only get the best people on the coast. And so it was a mix of cost-effective scaling and, and amazing talent. 
So what did you do before you founded Scale? So I was a, a sales leader. I was a VP of sales at Glassdoor. I built a sales organization there, uh, then moved to New York, was a VP of sales at a startup uh, called Chartbeat and built out the original sales organization there. Um, you know, my background, have, I've been in sales and sales leadership for the last, you know, almost what, 17, 17 plus years. So, you know, for me, what I saw was in the startup world in particular, one of the biggest issues is you need very different things at very different stages. And as you grow and as you scale, the needs change from being more strategic one day to more tactical the next to more strategic for six months. And then you need someone who's going to get in the weeds. And I consistently saw that sales did not have a support ecosystem like marketing does. There's no expert, you know, on-demand expert network for um, sales teams. You know, it's like you hire trainers or you, you know, you, you hire full-time and then those people churn. And so I thought we could help to, you know, solve that, that need. So you've been in leadership roles then for a long, long time managing teams and you've grown this team to about 30 people. What is it that you like about having that role? Why, why, why be a C-level leader? I'd like that you started here because I, I have a feeling where we're going to go next. Um, <clears throat> so for me, I love people, the people development side. There's nothing better than watching individuals rise to the occasion, step up and really take you know, ownership and responsibility for their, their world. And it's, it's literally probably one of my favorite uh, you know, I don't know, passions about leadership is really understanding the goals of my team and really helping to remove roadblocks to help them to achieve those goals, whether they're personal or professional. Um, so I really have always viewed that as my role is as, as a leader, my job is to help you to get on your path, whatever that path might be and, and help and shepherd you along the way. And um, that for sure is, is I think what I, what I love the most. So I, I fully understand that. But one of the problems with managing people is it's not one size fits all. So what are some of the hard parts of doing what you love? Well, you know, candidly, well, that's the that's the kind of the point of understanding their goals, right? Is that it's it's about their goals. It's not my goals for them. You know, it's not this is the path I think you should take. So I, I think, you know, it's probably like any leader, it's unrealized potential, you know, where sometimes you feel like you want it more for somebody than they want it for themselves. <laughs> I feel like that's probably, uh, you know, an area I struggle with at times in leading people that might not have as much of a growth mindset as I do. So I asked you what you liked. What are some of the things you don't like about being the leader, about being the CEO? There's got to be some days you wake up and say, God, I wish I had just continued to work for somebody else. Uh, payroll, I guess would be the number one. Um, you know, look, when you are, when you are running your own successful small business, everything is your fault. Everything is your responsibility. So for all the entrepreneurs out there and, and CEOs of two people companies, um, as you scale and really want to build a business, really know what you're getting yourself into that, you know, you're signing up to be responsible for all of these people's livelihood. And no matter what, you know, you are responsible if, if something happens with payroll, with finance, with operations, with a client, it's all you. Yep. Yeah. The bucks, so the bucks I think that can desk. be, yeah. yeah, that's right. And, and I think that can be a lot for people if they, you know, bear the brunt of that mentally and they don't create space between themselves and the work at times. So my background is in sales and, and then marketing. And then I've worked for myself as that solopreneur, as that one person shop for 11 years before I, I joined Stanton Chase in, in the executive search world. So I fully understand the smaller side of it. I've never managed a big team. But one of, one of my questions is you specialize in the area of sales, both in 
what you did. You were a salesman and a sales manager. Now Scaled helps people work on this repeatable revenue strategies. Sales has kind of gotten hit upside the head in the last few months. So both your company and your clients, how has COVID and the pandemic impacted selling? It's it's a super question. I mean, if it, what it's really doing is accelerating trends, meaning um, sales candidly has been pretty lazy for the last 10 years. And what I mean by that is um, we've just been kind of executing the same plays over and over again, um, tracking activity metrics and calls and emails. And really with the use of technology, I've driven a lot of the creativity and, uh, you know, out of, of sales teams. Mm-hmm. Salesperson used to, you know, find their own leads, close their own deals, and then manage accounts. Well, when everyone specialized, that creates a lot of perverse incentives within the organization to not always do what's right for the customer. And what's COVID is forcing us to do is reevaluate our our customer journey and really reevaluate the way our teams are interacting and and be smarter and and less one size fits all and more niche. And and, and the reason I bring that up is look, there's plenty of organizations that are doing quite well right now. Go look at the stock market. (laughs) <laughs> Go look at the stock market. Go look at industries. There's plenty of industries that are doing really well right now. Sales up until now, where I think a lot of leaders have, have uh, struggled, is you know it's like they they went all in on nobody's interested. And in reality, it's always been this way. There's a group of people that are going to be very interested, a group somewhere in the middle that you might be able to push over the top, and then another group that is, you know is in an industry that's not doing so well. That that that's for forever. But we forgot about that. We went to this one size fits all that everybody was ready. And so I think as we come out of the side of this, you're going to see organizations doing more strategies that feel more customized to more segments than ever before, um, trying to meet the buyer where they are, trying to, trying to really go back to understanding the industries, what people sell into versus kind of a one-size-fits-all approach, which I think is the, uh, the big issue. So, you know, strategy is a great word. We all love to throw it around. It's kind of one of those wonderful buzzwords that, that exists in business. Let's go a little bit deeper. So let's talk about like, businesses that are your clients? What size company do you usually work with at scale? We've got a mix. We have that kind of growth stage organization that's maybe, you know, scaling from, you know, I don't know, 50 to 200 people. And then we have big corporates that are trying to, you know, bring in a more modern approach. So I would say probably, you know, 60% of our clients are that rapid growth and 40% are, are much larger enterprises that are trying to innovate and bring in outside support to help them do that. Well, good. Let's look at that growth-oriented company then. So what advice do you have? If you had to pick two things to share right now with executives of, of, of any ilk in a growth-oriented company, what should their salespeople be doing today? You cannot scale if you don't have a process to scale. So whether that's around the way that you engage customers at the top of the funnel, the way that you sell to them, um, the way that you interact with them post customer. So you cannot scale without some form of a repeatable way to do that because your ramp times will be long. People won't get up to speed as fast as they need to, et cetera. And then your systems and technology won't do that. So document everything because once it's documented, you can improve, you can improve. And why I see organizations stutter for so long is they don't create a process that they, they can then track metrics around and track to, to then optimize over time. And candidly, that would be my, my like one piece of advice. The other piece maybe would be um, to think of your sales organization as a performance organization. And what I mean by that is you're like, well, Jake, what do you mean? They produce sales. Well, not really. You know, if you think about how often we actually optimize our outbound strategy, how, how, how often we actually optimize our sales cycle and sales process, 
it's like every six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? You had a hundred client conversations and like, why aren't you improving your sales process in real time that we've got to go steal from our marketing friends? You know, they, they invest in optimization on an ongoing basis, but we're not doing that in sales. And so I think you need to have, you build your template and your playbooks, and then you have an always optimizing mindset just like marketing does. And I think we've, we've got to have those two things for a successful sales organization today. Nice. So I call the show making waves at sea level. What are you doing to shake things up in your, in your company or in your industry? Well, at the company level, I think we're starting to do a lot of the boring stuff, right? <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like the anti-wave. Like it's like we're, we're making, I don't know, like platforms Making or stillness. Yeah. Making, yeah. making like, yeah. the glass on, like the glass on the lake in the morning. There we go. But, but I think it's important to call out, meaning one of the things I think at a small company, you don't, you don't always appreciate that your people want, you know, a path. They want to know, Hey, here's where you're at today. Here's what the next step. So, you know, we're doing, we're literally just finished a process where every role in the company now has a scorecard that they can track to daily or weekly, depending on what their role is. Every person has a development plan. This is what your role is today. These are your responsibilities. Here's what the next step looks like. And what I realized over time is that, you know, if, if people don't know this, their score, am I doing a good job? You know, then it, it causes all kinds of issues with having to, you know, not micromanage, but you, you do have to give them more guidance as opposed to like, no, 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 you know what you're supposed to be tracking to in a daily weekly, like, you know, go make magic happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's one of the things we're doing is basically getting back to basics. And, and I think every owner, you know, business owner, CEO, department head can do that today. And I'm telling you the, employee satisfaction, morale, um, you know, excitement around this, it has been, you know, absolutely phenomenal. In the industry, I think there's a few things that we're doing. You know, one is this idea of the performance mindset I just talked about that, you know, companies are bringing us in to, to supercharge this, you know, and I'll just give you an example. Imagine the same two companies, it's, it's over two years. One company is looking at their lead generation and sales process every two to four weeks. The other is looking at it every three to five months. Where do you think those companies are going to be in two years? Mm-hmm. I've literally now optimized this, you know, four or 500% more than another process. And so the work that we're doing because of our knowledge, you know, we've done hundreds of sales technology implementations. This idea of the people process and tech is really unique in, in our, in our world. And so that for me, I think is the big piece that we're, we're bringing to the table now is stop trying to hire jacks of all trades. who can only do one thing, treat your sales org like a performance agency. And you know, we can be that, that partner for you. Well, you bring up an interesting thing in, in, in that sort of trio you mentioned, and that is people. So I've spent the greater, greater point part of the last 15 years talking to people about sort of how do you connect with people and why is it important on sort of this, this gadget crazy world we live in? And, and now, since the pandemic has hit, there's a lot of talk that we're not going to return to the office and industry events will never happen again. Now, I'm not a futurist. And if you look at my stock portfolio, you'll know I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> However, I don't think human connection and human to human engagement is going to sit on the sidelines forever. As soon as we get through this and it's safe to get back together, I think you're going to see a lot of people. Well, yeah, there'll be people who work from home. I think you're going to see a lot of companies who are now saying people can work from home forever are going to say, well, you got to come back to the office sometimes because <laughs> relationships are built through shared experience and being on Zoom, even with video it's not the same thing. So I actually don't think that the connecting and, and your network and, and how you relate to people over the long haul, I don't think it's going to take a big hit, but there's a lot of futurists who say that it is. And so what do you think 
uh, about that people part, both inside the company and in a sales role. What do you think the future holds when it comes to connecting with people? Well, I, this is going to be somewhat the new normal. I mean, and and what I mean by that is, look, we were already, and let's just talk about sales. We were already moving inside, right? More and more and more field organizations are starting to build out much larger and, and big inside sales organizations. What this has done is accelerates the buyer's knowledge and understanding of how to have meaningful conversations digitally. And so I feel like in sales, all those road warriors, nope, <laughs> don't need you anymore, or I need a lot less of you, mm-hmm. right? Um, because buyers are comfortable with this now, right? Buyers and now, you know, that, that, the, 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 the CHRO who's, you know, 65 and, you know, wasn't a big tech fan, now she or he is, has had to do this. Right. Same thing for finance and IT and all this. So I think, I think in sales, we're, we're going to see not, not an end of outside sales by any means. And I, and I agree with you. I think we, we do like that connection. But I think we've also now proven that people will buy things and, and even more people than we ever thought, you know, spending 50, 100 millions of dollars on a project without meeting somebody. That's unprecedented. Sure. So I, I do think that part of the human element is going to that face-to-faceness. Now, what I feel like the most important skills in sales now though, and this might might actually seem counterintuitive, are the people skills that we've used this tech to train the human out of the machine. Like we, we've been like, just push buttons, just do this thing, just do that. And it's like, well, yeah, for certain things, but not for everything. Like you still need a human in the loop. And I feel like that's where a lot of organizations have got away from training on basic sales tactics, sales techniques, sales strategies. And and I feel sorry. I mean, there's a lot of salespeople coming out right now that I think are going to struggle because they're not learning sales skills. They're not learning EQ. They're not learning this, you know, interpersonal skills that you're talking about. They're learning how to push a button. And guess what robots are really good at? Pushing buttons and doing repeatable tasks. So, you know, I feel like it's those interpersonal skills that are in, you know, that are going to be really the most important element of being in sales. They always have been, but we, we, we've definitely gotten away from it. So that's what I'm speaking about now to companies when I am speaking. I mean, obviously, I'm not on large stages anymore or at sales meetings, but that's what I'm talking about is I can't prove which way the future is going to go. However, for the time being, we're like this and elements of it, you're right on, elements of this are going to last forever. So therefore, if you're not being proactive, if you're not learning these skills, if you're not learning how to make human connection uh, important, then you're going to be left behind. What I ask every company is just think about it this way. What if your competitor is just a little better with human engagement during this crisis? Who's going to come out the other side, no matter what the world looks like? Who's going to come out better off? And, and you're right on. It's that that human skills. If you don't have them, now it's more important than ever. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, everyone remember they have customers. It's <laughs> like, we've been spending a lot more time talking to our customers. Like, dude, what have you been doing? Like, what do you mean you're spending a lot more time? Like, guess what? New business wasn't the end all be all after all. Was it Frank? Right? Like, I don't know what people were doing in the first place. Like the, the mis- like this is this is the, what is going to be a great equalizer for certain companies that if they can provide a better customer experience, because custom, products are becoming so ubiquitous, right? They, a lot, especially in B2B, like the amount of lookalike products in B2B to where one of the key ways you can differentiate is customer experience. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you like, don't forget the way that you feel now about retaining your customers, Right keep this, keep keep this mindset that the customer experience is more important than, you know, 0.1 efficiency gain. 
Well, there's an old cliche, and I've quoted it a million times, and that is people do business with people they know, like, and trust. What's interesting in this world is it's a different path to getting people to know you, like you, and trust you. That's right. But the cliche holds true. That's exactly right. So, Jake, I've got a couple more questions for you. I'm I'm enjoying this conversation. But first, but first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They do all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jake Dunlop. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Jake, I used to call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now? You know, it goes back to what I said before. I think I'm doing all the uncool stuff right now. <laughs> and that's actually the work uh, that it takes to, to I think, build a, a ph- phenomenal company is, is doing the foundations and doing the day-to-day boring stuff right every day. So, you know, for me, I feel like what I'm doing that's <laughs> cool and new is not is maybe not so cool and new, but it is about. I think I've got a renewed focus. And if you didn't, if you didn't have this before, I mean, you you need to definitely have it with COVID of, of discipline and making sure that we have everybody in the organization set up for success. And and you know, the, going back to the fundamentals is never not cool, right? Like it's never not cool to make sure everyone feels like you know they they have a safe place. They know what's expected of them. They know what their career path looks like. Um, and then I think on the the client side. I think some of the work that we're doing around LinkedIn is is the best work in the B2B space period. You know, the way that we're working with clients and advising them on how to leverage and harness the power of LinkedIn, there's nobody who's doing the work that we're doing nice. around, you know, modern sales because you, you said it, right? All these speaking engagements have gone away. They're gone. So guess what? LinkedIn is a chance for you with making one post to have a 5-minute speaking spot every day to your target audience. So and if you, as you know, we've got sellers that are generating tens of meetings a month just on LinkedIn, and it's it's an amazing opportunity right now. Well, and I I think that that LinkedIn is is a great tool for that. And and one of the things that's interesting is I have some friends who when they post something on LinkedIn, they get like ten thousand views. They're like, you know, they have all this huge following and and all this stuff. And I I spend a lot of time looking at them, going, oh, you know, I wish, I I hope, I dream. <laughs> And then, I, right. and then I realized that, you know, if I post like three times a week or whatever, I average about a thousand to two thousand views and, and the view can be somebody saw it versus somebody engaged. But mm-hmm. but if I was a, still out there working as a speaker and, and I still am, but I mean, if the, the world was having live events and three times a week I could get in front of a thousand people, that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so while it's not the same, I have to look at it that even if a hundred people see it. All you need is that one person who says, oh, I need to engage and, and, and be part of what they're doing. So I think you're right. It's an important tool, but you got to use it right. And you've got to use it. A lot of people just have a LinkedIn profile and they never post. So let's yeah. quickly talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, again, there, we, you know, we, it's a very simple moniker. It's add, post, and engage, right? That with tools like Sales Navigator, step one is a lot. Most people need to grow their network because their network today is you know, previous coworkers and current coworkers, not necessarily even like their target audience or, or industry thought leaders. Right. So you need to make sure that you're adding people. And in Sales Navigator, you can add 82 people in 12 minutes. So there's no excuse. Spend time, grow your network, right? More is better. 
right? It's like those, those people that uh, the, the worst are the people. I, I curate my, my network. Why? That's so stupid. Like, why wouldn't you want every single, like if you say you're selling to customer success, why wouldn't you want to be connected with every single customer success leader? There is zero downside. So then when you post a comment on the future of CS, they all see it. Mm-hmm. So you got to increase your network size. The second thing is you got to post content that's industry thought leadership. It's not about me, 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 right? I run a company. Um, I post on LinkedIn two to three times a day. Mm. Um, it's that important to my business. We generate millions of dollars of organic leads from LinkedIn. And I post content. I never talk about my company. Very, very, I shouldn't say never, but like one in 12 posts, maybe, maybe less than that. My team wants me to do it more. You got to add value. You have to talk. You have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit, right? Um, and then the next is engage. You know, you need to make sure you engage with your audience or at least, you know, engage with, um, you know, other industry thought leaders. Um, but that's, and we've got reps that are doing this too, and they are just crushing it. So it's, it's so simple. And it's, they're a, just, it's, it's important so to comment on other people's stuff yes. too, right? That's the thing I, I find a lot of people, I have a little bit different philosophy. I fall into a little bit more curated, although if if it's somebody who I would do business with, I'll connect with them. I tend not to link to a pet shop owner in Topeka yep, just yep. because I try to control it a, a little bit. I used to have a rule, coffee meal or beer rule, uh, where I didn't connect to people on LinkedIn unless I had met them. Now it's coffee, meal, beer, or real reason to be connected. Yep. Uh, yeah. but, uh, what I find with a lot of people is they'll post a lot, whether providing good value or just, Hey, look at my company, but they'll never comment on anyone else's posts. They somehow think that it's, if they give someone else credit, they're taking away. I believe it, that if you, if you give someone credit and say, Hey, Jake, that was a great post. I really liked what you said about, you know, sales strategy. I think that that suddenly makes you more valuable to your network and those people you comment on. Because LinkedIn shows you what people like and comment on. Right. It's the only site that does that. So I can see every single thing that you, Tom, liked and commented on for forever. And, and that's one thing. Or to disagree with people too. Like LinkedIn right now to me is too soft. Too many people that they, I agree. Oh, that's a great, like, dude, there are some bad ideas out there, guys. Bad, like not good. You know, and so like, I feel like LinkedIn needs a little more discord too. So I'm all for having a dissenting opinion as just as much as having a, a positive comment as well, too. Well, I think it's interesting. Early on in this conversation, you said something that in, in our society and business, sales has gotten lazy. And I may title this episode, sales has gotten lazy, because I think what you're talking about involves putting in work, whether it's LinkedIn, <laughs> whether it's outbound calls with everything you right. talked about around strategy. There's no magic fairy dust when it comes to to sales, right? I wish there was. I would tell you if there was, right? I would say like, hey, just do this thing and it works 100% of the time. But but the key is that people are also not working very... It's, it's you know, what is, what's that Steve job, right? I find a lazy person to do a hard job because I know they'll find the, the easiest way to do it. <laughs> um, you know, I think... Uh, a lot of people are working too hard too. Like they're, they're not looking for shortcuts. They're not looking to break things. They're not looking for creative solutions. They're just, you know, execute, execute, execute mode. And so I, I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a, a like a, a certain amount of laziness. That's a good laziness. But right now I feel like we're just, we're, we're there's not enough people breaking machines as opposed to being a cog in one. And the machines aren't working either, right? Like, I, I can't remember the stat, but it's it's something like 60 or 70% of people are hitting quota right now. The lead gen reps, like only 50% or something are hitting quota. So it's like, 
guys, it's not working. It's already, you know, like, so, you know, whether it's, they need to be lazy because they need to get more creative or they need to work harder to, to compensate there, but, but it's gotta be one or the other. It can't just be continuing to push the buttons and, you know, read the message. So Jake, as you look out into the business world, whether it's small entrepreneurial businesses or large businesses, who do you look at as an, as a business leader, C-level executive or entrepreneur where you say, wow, they're the ones making waves. Who do you admire? Yeah, I mean, I'll go with I'll go with Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, I think what he's done with VaynerMedia um, and you know his business is continuing to grow. Uh, I think is probably one of the more. I, I think when you think true maverick in, in sales and B two B in particular, I think what he's done is built a content engine. He's he's developed an entirely new play, whereas in B two B we've went, we went so far toward the leads route. It's like marketing's job is to generate leads, right? MQLs, SQLs, insert acronym, right? And I think what Gary does is Gary says, look, let's focus on brand. Let's focus on being cool, being interesting to work with, um, having provocative ideas and letting, you know, that kind of, it's like an older school mentality, but that it always happens, right? Tom, it's like, what, what is old becomes new again, right? That I feel like we've, we've, engineered toward only marketing only cares about with my blinders on, you know, um, leads as opposed to understanding the importance of brand. And, and that's what I really admire about, about what Gary's doing. Nice. I actually met him, uh, drove him around in my car in Austin before he was famous. So he was, I mean, he was getting famous cause he had been asked to come and speak. He was yeah. still very deep. Wine library was still his main thing. There was yeah. no Vayner media yet. Uh, he was just becoming a speaker. He didn't even know what to charge. Like he was like, Oh, what do you got? Okay. I think we got him for like, you know, seven grand plus the airfare, uh, which right. of course you couldn't do now. And my job was to pick him up at the airport, get him to his hotel. Then later in the day, pick him up and drive him around. And I always remember on the way back to his hotel, he hadn't talked to me very much. He'd been on his phone and it was late on his way back to his hotel. And so I had a second and I just said, Hey, if you had Gary Vaynerchuk in your car, what would you ask him? And I remember he lit up like a Christmas tree. He was like, that is a great question. And then 20 minutes back to his hotel, we had a great talk. So love it. That's my claim. Love it. Yeah. That's, my, that's the my, kind of question he would love. Yeah. That's my claim to fame of crossing paths with Gary Vaynerchuk. That was like 12, 14 years ago, but you know. Wow. So uh, if somebody listened to this and they've got a company and they need to be scaled, uh, how, do, how do people find you? I mean, look, as I mentioned, LinkedIn, I'm quite active. It's just type in Jake Dunlap on the first result. Um, you can always email me, Jake at scaled, S-K-A-L-E-D. Um, and I think, you know, look, come to the website, check out what we're doing, you know, reach out. I'm happy to have a conversation with any, you know, or connect you with the team on any sales marketing related questions. You know, we, we are, things are changing rapidly. Um, and you know, if you ever need someone to gut check, you know, we work with hundreds of companies, uh, in, in any given year, um, you know, best practices, we're happy to do it. So get at me, social media, email, whatever's best for you. Nice. Well, Jake, thank you for joining us here on making waves at sea level. Any final words of advice? Take action. Stop thinking about what to do. Stop thinking about more ideas and just do one thing extremely well. No more, no more ideas. <laughs> right. Just start doing. Nice. I like that. Well, again, thank you for being here. And thank you very much to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it with every one of these episodes. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the podcast? So if you like the show, do me that favor. Uh, go ahead and uh, rank and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast love. But more importantly, 
Go tell a friend, either directly or through social media. When I run across people who listen to this show, and oddly, I run across people like in weird places. Uh, <laughs> and I, if I don't know them, I say, how did you discover my show? Always the answer is someone I know told me to listen. So tell somebody. Go to out, listen. share with your network. That's right. Exactly. Leave a review. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's right. Listen, listen, Jake Dunlap is smart. Do what he says. Uh, we're right. going to be back in a couple of days with somebody just as cool as Jake Dunlop. And you're thinking, Tom, how will you find somebody as cool? It's going to be tough. But we do it every single time. In the meantime, go out there, make some waves, flex those entrepreneurial muscles, and make sure that your career ladder is against the right wall because I spent a lot of time climbing that career ladder and it was in the wrong place. But while you're out there, have some fun. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.